I'm not saying this is easy, the industry. I'm saying understanding credit for me from a 3,000 mile point of view, it was so easy that I was like, when I, when I met you, when you were telling me, I was like, okay, but what are you, what are you actually telling people? Because yeah, yeah. it's like, you spend, you pay, you spend, you pay. But clearly it was not like that. Welcome to another episode of e-commerce to everyone. On today's episode, I have my really good friend uh, and brother, honestly, Ray Bueno. Uh, Ray, I know Ray for three years now. Yeah, going on three and a half, four. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I want to make this side note for everyone because I've been talking to a lot of my really good friends in the podcast and I mean, I've known these people for like the longest is six years. Uh, everyone else for two, three years. But when you're an immigrant in a country and you are by yourself, you build really tight relationships with the people that uh, pass through your path. So that's why I say what I say when I have these guests on my podcast. But Ray, welcome. I really appreciate you being here, bro. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about you and what you do yeah, nowadays? Man. Thanks for having me, bro. Um, my name is Ray. Um, I'm known as, as the credit guy on YouTube. Um, I first started my, my journey in credit back in 2014, um, where I just, you know, had an unfortunate event. Well, I, I guess now looking at it, it was pretty fortunate. Yeah. Uh, because if it would have never happened to me, I wouldn't be in the position that I am now. Bro, sometimes the things that we think that are the worst end up being the best yeah. things that ever happened to us. So yeah, yeah. it was it, it was definitely it was definitely something. But other than that, prior to that, I mean, I'll give you the whole spiel. Born and raised here in Miami. Um, uh, I was in the Marine Corps for seven years. After I came back. Um, I had an event that happened to me where I got taken advantage by some fake debt collectors. I went through that stressful process. I won in federal court um, after suing them, and I decided to make a video about it just to kind of give people a heads up as to what happened with my situation because I know for a fact it's happening to a bunch of other people. So um, who, who, who was like the... The credit bureaus were against you? No. No, it was a fake debt collector oh, that was okay. coming across as an attorney. Oh, okay. Franklin, Cohen, and Albright, they oh, came wow. across. And they were like very threatening and stuff over the phone. And at the time, I didn't know that they weren't supposed to do that. Anyways, I just paid them over time, uh, up to $4,000, got proactive and looking to see what else I can do to help my credit. And I found out that when it comes to paying collections or paying debts, if you're paying $100 a month, it should reflect $100 less every month on your credit report. They weren't doing that. Uh, one thing led to another. Again, like I said, I, I sued them in federal court, and um, I won. And I decided to make a video about it with no intention of starting a YouTube channel. As a matter of fact, I was going to school at the University of Miami at the time studying communications because I wanted to work at an ad agency. Um, and I was, at the time, I was working part-time for a plastic surgeon, videotaping their surgeries, and it wasn't Dr. Miami, <laughs> by the way. Um, everybody tells me that. It's like usually the typical follow-up question. Um, but after that happened, um, uh, yeah, I, I, it went viral. I went viral. It started being shared. It had like 5 million views, It right? has 5.8 million views today. Damn. And it's why you should never, ever pay collections. Well, there's Damn. a little bit more into that, but it was why you should never, ever uh, pay collections. And I think that through that video, I, I got the attention of a lot of people. And ever since then, what people didn't know at the time is I wasn't a credit guru, I guess. Um, then well, nobody, nobody's, a, nobody's guru a guru about anything when they start. Like but that's... to a lot of people, 
I was a guru. Yeah, of you course. Know? And, and without no, no background. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm the credit guy now. And I just started researching the next topic so much so that I was comfortable enough to speak on it on camera. Um, and then every video just kind of evolved to that. And I literally taught myself about credit through these informational videos that blessed me in a way where I started getting paid by YouTube. Um, getting sponsorships and now having my own credit restoration. How crazy! How crazy it is that when you believe something and you put in the work, it's not just believing, but you believed that you were the credit guru. Now you started doing the work, you started learning yourself more, and you became that. Like because honestly, within my circle, I don't think that like when I met you and, and I remember we were talking about these. Like I was like. What is to know about credit? You know, like a credit is very basic. Like you have a credit card, you use it, you pay it, yeah. you have good credit. Uh, I never thought about at the time, even today, I don't think about that, but I understand now that there's people that may not be as structured with their finances as maybe us are, and they get into debt and they get into problems, and that's when yeah. the credit services come into play. So, Yeah, like yeah. That, that. It's a very. It's, it was a very interesting topic to me because it was something for me so easy. It's not easy, by the way. I'm not saying this is easy. The industry. I'm saying understanding credit for me from a three thousand mile point of view, it was so easy that I was like, when I when I met you, when you were telling me, I was like, okay, but what are you what are you actually telling people? Yeah, because yeah. it's like you spend, you pay. You spend, you pay. But clearly, yeah. it was not like that. And, and now I know a lot of things that happen on a credit reports, like names spelled the wrong way that affect your credit in such a way, even if you have good credit, mm -hmm. those things. And in fact, you helped me with that because I have good credit, but I told you, hey bro, like, would you mind taking a look at my credit? And there was a bunch of things like multi, like different names. I have two last names. So mm -hmm. that was a lot of conflict there too. So you clean all that up and even cleaning all that up, my credit started going up to yeah. even more. So I was like, holy shit, okay. This is the side of things that people usually don't know, you know? Absolutely, yeah, because it's, you know, credit is not just applying for a credit card and then using it. Um, well, in one sense, credit is leverage, right? Especially when it comes to a business. But what I'm most interested and passionate for um, is the laws that protects us as consumers, that debt collectors or banking institutions take advantage of the fact that this is not taught in schools and this is not common information, common knowledge. And, and, and they fish for, for it, right? Or um, collection agencies buying these debts and then uh, leveraging the negative information on the credit report to force you to pay something that you never contracted with them in the first mm -hmm. place. And so those little intricacies is what I'm truly passionate for in the sense of where um, I'm really passionate about helping people realize the little fine print, right? Yeah. The, little, the little rules and regulations because I've been in credit for a long time, and like I've told somebody today, you know, people having to decide whether to pay for a collection agency or pay their rent or buy groceries for the kids, people will, shouldn't be put in that situation. Yeah, they shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, I know. They shouldn't. And even though, look... Even though it's your debt, you, because of the way the law is structured, you shouldn't be worried about that. You that. shouldn't. Yeah, you shouldn't because you should, you should be aware at least of what your options are exactly. from there to a point where you're, you're able to think fluently and, and not be stressed out. Oh, 100%. Like, actually, when you were speaking, it reminds me a lot to my industry, you know, and, and I think every industry in general, you know, you always have those 
fine print or those things that the people in the industry know and they don't share as much. In this case, it's even worse. In your case, it's even worse because it's a federal thing, you know? Like, it's like, it doesn't cost anything for the government to put, and we're not going to get into politics, but it doesn't cost anything for the government to put financial literacy on schools and teach you from a young age things that actually matter yep. and not just things that literally when you go out in the world, nobody gives two fucks about. Yeah. But that's why I think it's worst. But literally that happens in every industry, bro. You've been like, you've done e-commerce too. Yeah. Uh, you know what's going on or yeah, what's going on in my industry What or what was going on in my industry uh, in some companies still going on. But it's just like, that fine blueprint, bro. And that's literally, I think that's something that we connect, you in your industry, me in my industry, and that's the reason I started doing the podcast and, and started the company, uh, Ecom Industry, because it's literally like, for whatever reason, something woken up in me, that feeling of like, it's fucking sad what people go through, you know? And I think in your case, I assume that it was the, the fact that you experienced that yourself, in my case, maybe I didn't experience it myself, but it was just, that's not who I am, you know? So I mm -hmm. can't keep being part of it. Yeah. So I have to literally shift. And with that shifting, it comes like the educational part. It comes like sharing the knowledge. It comes like whether, whether they become clients of, of me or not, I'm not doing this for selling purposes like nobody's paying us to be here yeah, right yeah. now like we're not making money right now we're just doing this to provide value for us to have a good time and i think that that then relates into whatever anything else you want to do within your business and your and your personal brand you know but talking a little bit about those fine prints uh what's we know that the video, like, because you were touching on those five fine prints is the thing that puts you like in the in the spectrum as a, a credit guru, yeah. right? But what is it the thing that actually took you to the next level to the point where you were like, okay, I have enough knowledge to do this on my own. I know that you work on other company while you mm -hmm. were doing the thing before you had your own company. What was that moment that you were like, fuck it, I need to do this on my own? Wow, yeah, so uh, I, I told myself that I was only gonna do videos and educate people. And I decided to, again, with the advertising mindset, right, when I was going to school for advertising, um, I decided, well, how can I leverage my audience on YouTube um, to, to continue to educate people, but to continue to introduce my audience to industry experts? wherever that may be, banking, another credit restoration company at the time, or whatever the case may be. Um, and I did get to link up with a few people um, that I was able to um, bring a lot of attention to. Um, and through that process, I was able to uh, learn the good, the bad, and the ugly of the industry. And I guess naturally, just because the way I think is, you know, what can I do better, right? Um, and then I left you know, I, I, I stopped doing that, stopped working with, with, a, with a certain company that I was um, working with at the time as far as bringing them leads. And then, um, you know, things got separated. And I guess that's how, yeah, I, guess that's how I, I, ran in, I ran into you. And, you know, that opportunity gave me the, 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 the first, I guess you can say, taste of having an ownership because 
like I guess more stake in the game, yes. if, if you will. Yes. And um, and once once I went through that, everything was great. I just literally announced it just like that on the YouTube channel, and I had so much support and love. And and I yeah, think because why wouldn't you do it? Like you yeah. were giving all these free value like why would not be the person helping these people you know which mm -hmm. by the way we were asking i was asking you vlad too we we're asking you like i don't know if vlad was there but we were asking you like oh are you doing videos this and that and i know that you're going through a moving mm -hmm. and all this stuff but bro honestly it would be good for you to uh do more of it because just by hearing you speak and when you're talking about you know what can i do better and things like that i think that your industry credit and my industry are very, your industry is way older, okay? So like there's things and companies that are doing bad things, but they're so stable, like in terms of like their time in the industry that, and they're so big that it's hard to fight, you know, right on, you know? But I think that the more you do, the more you put out there is definitely going to open up eyes in, in many people's because Again, bro, like people that are in your space, we get flooded, like they all do like Instagram ads, they flood everybody out, whether they know if you have good or bad credit, they just target you, they, they target you all day long and nobody's giving any value. You know, no. nobody's explaining to you, okay, yeah, you fix my credit, but what do I do now? You know, nobody's putting you in a place where you're not going to need me again. Yeah. You know, and that's the part where I think if you go back and keep doing what you were doing and uh, not that you're not doing it now but like actually like yeah. take the time like i'm like we have here set up like do something similar and just talk about it because one of the things that i realized and I actually i never shared this with vlad but we used to talk about this it was like every time we would talk to ray about like we would sit down on a table and we were talking about business ray would always bring up the credit side of things up to the table <laughs> and at the time i was like Bro, why is Ray always talk, bringing up the credit side, bringing up the credit side? But now that I am like following my path and I'm doing what I always wanted to do, I understand that 100% because I want, I'm so enthusiastic about what I do that all I want to talk about is what I do, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm trying, every time I'm hearing somebody, I'm trying to connect, okay, what they are telling me to what I do, so to see how I can bring value or to see how I can give like a reference to make them understand where I'm coming from and things like that. And that is literally the way you were communicating with us on, on certain conversations when yeah. we were talking about things. Uh, and the fact is that credit, whether it's personal or business, which now I'm going to ask you what's the difference, but yeah. uh, whether it's personal or, 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 or business, it's key for every aspect of the life, especially in the country that we live in. You know, like uh, somebody with bad credit, you're not going to have the same access that somebody with good credit has. No, I'm not even talking about interest rates. I'm talking about just the access. Yep. And the same with business credit. You know, I think that a business credit, it's important to be developed. I don't think, and now it's maybe where we're going to debate a little bit. I don't think that if you have a personal good credit, you should be too worried about your business credit because mm -hmm. with your personal credit, you have something bucking it up. Mm -hmm. But I do agree that it's important to have a good business credit because at one point you are going to want to stop putting your personal credit at stake yeah. and you want that to be the business, you know? Yeah, no, I completely, I completely agree. And 
you know, you can continue using your own personal credit, but at some point, an underwriter is going to deny you based on either too many inquiries, too much debt, too many accounts open in the first 24 months. So you could potentially cap yourself out. And so you should consider the business as another yes. entity or person, right? With a great credit score. Yes. That obviously may take some time and nurturing to be able to develop so it can go on its own. But the idea eventually is to be able separate. to separate and not use your own credit and so that the company could stand on its own. And I think that a company could be considered a little bit more valuable if it has a good credit score. Yes. Because you can buy a company and they have a good commercial credit score. You know, you know score, that you have access to a lot of things. A lot more than just what the business provides. Yeah. One, one of the things that happened, and I was actually having a conversation today with a client, that a new client, and, and I was explaining to them because one of the, and we were talking literally about this today, because we were, develop, we were de developing our software, we finished the first phase, we're going into the second one, and I was talking to Vlad about the credit card situation, you know? And Amazon is very strict in the sense of like, when you set up your business, if they ever want to audit you, they might never, but if they ever want to audit your entity, not the store, the entity that is behind the store, they're going to ask you for certain documentation that you better have everything aligned, you know? The address is key. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we mentioned to clients, we can enforce it because at the end of the day, we are the management company. They, we work for them, you know, like right. I can't force anybody to get a business credit card. But one of the things that I started telling people is like, look, in this business, that you have, like the only reason you have a credit card is to bankroll your business. You know, it's not that you have a credit card for, any credit card is to bankroll your business. But in this business in particular, you are waiting for Amazon to release your money to pay the credit card. Right. And Correct me if I'm wrong, but when you spend money with your personal credit card, it's always, no matter if you're paying it on time, if you ramp up and they report it, okay, so let's say they report this month, I spent two grand, the next month, I always paid on time, but yeah. this month they only reported two grand, I'm below my 30%, good, nothing happens on my credit. The next month, I spend 10 grand, I'm still going to pay it on time, but if they reflect that 10 grand increment, my credit score is going to go down. Absolutely. Whether if you, you, when you use a business credit card, it's not reporting in your personal score, so your, your score is not getting affected. That's even more of a leverage. And, and that's something that I've been telling clients because then clients start getting agitated because they're like, oh, Amazon didn't pay me today and I have to, Amazon didn't pay me the full amount and I have to pay my credit card because if I want to buy a car and my credit can be below this and that. And I'm like, yeah, but that's because you're using a personal credit card. If you were using a business credit card, it's not going to, to mm -hmm. affect you. Now, a question that I have for you, you might know it or not, but why is it that companies like American Express, uh, Spark, Capital One, they give credit lines, business credit lines to new businesses based on the owner's credit but they don't report on the owner's credit, but they still approve you and they, leave you, they give you leeway, compared to going to a bank directly, which I assume in the past that since, hey, I, whoever you bank with, Wells Fargo, Chase, Citibank, First Union, whatever you bank with, if you have your money there, that means that I have a relationship with you, you should know me. But the moment you apply on a bank with a new business, they either deny you right away because it's new or they cap you like really low. 
Yeah. Why is it that these three companies that I mentioned, I don't know if there's any other else, mm -hmm. but what is the difference? Why, why are some companies more flexible and others are very strict? Yeah, so it depends on the underwriting guidelines and it's like a little, a little secret thing. But again, when, when, you, when you, going back to that situation, I always tell people, look at your business as another person, your best friend, yeah. right? Your baby or whatever you want to call it. And so just like that person has, doesn't have any revenue, it doesn't have any data to let the bank know that I'm going to pay you back, right? Or, or that the risk. So you have to co-sign for your business. That's what I call it, a co-signer, right? To leverage, they have to see some sort of a report or proof that you have the ability to, to pay, pay back on time. So in, in my sense, where I learned a long time ago is credit is the ability to make payments on time over time. That's it. That's all, that's all credit yeah. is. And the higher your credit score is, the more chances, the higher the probabilities you're going to pay back. So by them pulling your own personal credit score, they have an idea or perspective of how you manage your lines of credit, how diversified your credit portfolio is. And that's important. That's upper, very important. The, the, yeah, because a lot of people they have just been focus, denied. They, they just focus on credit cards and then they think, oh, I have a good credit score. And then they go for a car and they're like. No, one a, of my clients got the denied. First car that you have, no? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and one of my clients actually got denied because they don't have a mortgage on their credit report. Can you believe wow. that? So for that's a car? for 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 a, uh, for a loan. Oh wow! Because they don't have a mortgage, right? So all those things matter. And going back to what we were speaking back in the beginning, that you may come across in your industry as well is the fact that even the people working within the banks or in Amazon don't know. Yeah, they don't know. They don't have it because they, the underwriting team doesn't talk to them. Like they, they don't have communication. The fact that there's different FICO scoring models so that you might check with one is of there, these is banks. There, is there a file that tells you, I don't know if you can say it. Maybe it is and he can say it and I just burn him. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there a file that you can see what, which uh, bureau or which FICO score they are looking at? Oh, I wish. But no, but, but what you can do is you can go to like, uh, there's credit monitoring sites like MyFICO, whatever the case may be, where they give you all different versions of your FICO score, right? FICO score two, four, five, you know, there's so many different why, versions. Why there are so many? Because it's, it's tailored to the industry, right? And so they take what's on your credit report to measure the probability of you paying back within that industry if I'm, if, if, so for example okay so for example there's a FICO score for mortgages there's a yes. FICO score for credit cards there's yep. a FICO so yeah, your score on a on a FICO score auto auto option which is what the dealerships may use right you have a different credit score in that so, category than a mortgage which is FICO score 2, 4 and, and yeah FICO score 2 and 4 I believe but why do they give you the average then why so, do they give you like you look you I have by the way, I do these. I don't know if it's yeah, smart yeah. or not, but I pay to Experian, I pay to TransUnion, and I pay to Equifax just to see all of mine. Uh, I use it as a business expense, by the way. Yeah, there you, you go. Can, you can deduct that <laughs> tip. But other than that, like, I log in into any of these and I see, like, the average. Yep. So why is it, like... The average then is not real. So, so I, I'm glad that you brought up that point. So for everybody watching... The credit monitoring uh, uh, subscriptions that you guys buy, like from Equifax, Experian, TransUnion, they, and you'll look at it, they give you a FICO score eight model. Yes. That's, oh, okay. So whatever you see on there is your score on the FICO score eight. 
I don't know. There is companies that use a FICO score eight model, but the problem is- <laughs> So nobody used the FICO eight model. The problem is, is that if you were to call a bank and say, do you guys use a FICO scoring eight? They're gonna look at you crazy. Cause even the people working in there don't know what that, what that even means. But oh, wow. all that means is FICO score eight calculates your credit score differently than FICO score two. The algorithm within the FICO model is different. Then on top of the fact is that you only have access to, I believe up to five years, two to five years worth of, of credit history where the banks have seven to 10. Oh, wow. So that, that increment of years from what you see than what the bank sees, there's a, the bank has a lot more information, meaning your score could be higher or lower on their version, right? And so, so when you, the idea is, is I tell people not to be so much score driven because what determines what's on your, what determines your credit score is the contents within the credit report. So if you come and you have negative items on your credit report and I remove everything, then depending on what remains on there, hopefully it's positive, your score is gonna recalibrate based on what's on there. So no matter what scoring system you use, you're gonna get a high score, right? You can feel confident in that way. However, there is some people that come to me and all they have is negative collection items on their credit report so that when everything gets removed- It gets like zero. You yeah, zero. <laughs> it, does, it, doesn't it, does, it doesn't exist zero? No, it's no. actually, you, everybody starts with a 300 credit score and the remaining 550 is how you manhandle I, it. I laugh because of a story, but- Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so everybody starts with a 300. Everybody starts with a 300, the remaining 550. So each category, I look at this like a game. Each category, you get a a set amount of points, you know, based based on that category, right? And so, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> right? And so, and so, so yeah, that's important to know because you know you don't want to get mad or an argument with the. So with, it with, could with happen that. like somebody goes to you and you do your job, you clean everything bad, mm -hmm. and they go back to three hundred. Yeah, they have a lower score, right? And, they, and they're like, why? The, but see, that's another thing. It's important for you to say that, and I encourage you again. You should do a video of this, yeah, because. Bro, the truth is that even for me, before me hearing you out now, I would assume that, okay, if I have a history, okay, if, if I have any, everything negative, but I, I have a 600, it means that I did something good. Mm -hmm. So if you clean it up, I assume that it's going to go higher. But there's a chance, based on what you're telling me, that it could go lower because whatever good I have there, it might be just fixing the bad, you know? And that's what it's keeping me afloat on, yes. on the 600. Absolutely. So let me ask you this, is it beneficial for somebody that has a bunch of collections and they have a 500 FICO score just because they're trying to pay their debt down? Is it beneficial for them to remove that so they risk it to go lower or they should keep doing what they're doing and remove a few of them, not yeah. all of them? So great question. So yes, everybody, First off, you should never, whatever you got to do so it doesn't go into default charge off or late payment or collection, you sure. should do, right? Yeah, because that's, that's one thing that when, I, when Ray told me about his video, I was like, bro, and, I, and he told me about his views and then I see it myself before I saw the video. When I saw the video posted, I saw like at the time you had like, I think 5 million, not yeah. 5.8, but it has a lot of views. I was like, Damn, bro, people don't take accountability because if you get to a collection, it means that you didn't pay something. So then I understood that it's not that you're saying, 
oh, don't be responsible with what you spend, you are actually being threatened by somebody that has no rights to, Absolutely. to you. That, so that, that's what I learned after that. But yeah, you were saying, sorry that I yeah, interrupted. No worries. Bro. No, and it goes back into how many people are there are falling for this, right? You should just be aware. But when it comes to credit and credit restoration, credit does not focus on the debt. It focuses on the information reporting on the credit report. Right. And so there's something called the Fair Credit Reporting Act. That's one of nine acts that actually protects us as consumers. And it states very clearly on there, if anything's unverifiable and accurate or incomplete, it must be corrected or removed. That is the key. As a credit restoration company, your job is to represent that client and prove to the credit bureaus beyond a reasonable doubt that the account in question is unverifiable, inaccurate or incomplete. Right. And so what we do is we pull records from the bureaus, pull records from the original creditors compared to how it's reporting on the credit report. And if we're able to leverage an error or discrepancy, meaning if the name doesn't match what's on the social, if the addresses don't match, it can be an account number. It can be if it's owing a balance after it's been transferred to a collection agency. Those little data points that get reported from the bank is what you're looking for. And if you're able to prove it, then it has to be removed based on the Fair Credit Reporting Act. If we cannot prove beyond a reasonable doubt, then not even Jesus can remove it from the credit wow. report, right? Now, so that's so if at the end of the day, if something gets removed from the credit report, it's only because you have the rights to it was do it. unverifiable yeah. and accurate and complete. But does that here's where I have my conflict, uh -huh. okay? Because that gives you as a consumer like leverage to not pay shit knowing like for example myself i have two last names pretty much all the time people like yep. fucked up my 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 information i can go back i pay everything on time i'm very i take a lot of pride on that but let's say there's a moment in my life that i can't pay shit on time mm -hmm. and i can take advantage of that because i know for a fact that there's going to be mistakes on my name isn't that like taking off like this whole thing of like be accountable for what yep. you spend Absolutely. your money. Yeah, but, but at the same time, yes, you should be accountable. You should be responsible for your debts. However, it is not your responsibility for the banking system not doing True. their due diligence to make sure that your information is verifiable, accurate, and complete. True. Right? True. And so... So they have, it's, a, it's fair in your eyes. I mean, the way you said it, it's fair because... They don't have, like, I guess that the way I see it now, or let me see if I can rephrase it the right way, is like, they are, they need to do their job. Like, yeah, you're getting, you're getting what you want out of them, but that is done so it shows proof that they actually didn't give you something without taking care of you the right way. Exactly, because when you look at, I've, I've recently been studying how attorneys defend clients against collection agencies, right? Because I'm seeing how they're using the Fair Credit Reporting Act and what they're leveraging, what they're asking for from the collection agency. And it's very interesting because if you understand that, you can kind of understand on the credit repair side, right? If a debt collector is suing a, a consumer, consumer gets an attorney, then one of the first things the, attorney, the attorney's gonna do is the collection agency needs to prove that they own the debt, that they own it, and that the consumer 
owes the debt. So there's two things they have to prove, right? That they own it. If they don't own the debt, then there's no reason yeah, to be why, talking why to Why are you me, suing right? me? Yeah. Exactly. If they owe the debt, that's one thing. Now, one thing that collection agencies hate to release that end up winning a lot of cases is the contract or the agreement that the collection agency has. Says that it's yours. No, the collection agency has with a bank. Okay. So let's say if a bank has an agreement with a collection agency and we're going to send you all these files in that agreement states that you're buying these files as is. So, so you can the fix files, them. when you buy debts, the files may or may not have all the full complete information, right? That's what collection agencies hate to show. And so they ass they're assuming the responsibility that they may or may not have all the information you need. Um, however, if they do, then you can always negotiate what's called a payment for deletion, which is you pay in exchange for them removing it. Yeah, but not all of them do that. Not all of them yeah. do, and they should. If you're a collection agency watching this, you, you should. should. You'll make a lot more money, I promise, and you'll make a lot more people happy, because at the end of yeah, the day- people will pay you happily. Like, absolutely. Because if you, if you tell me like, hey, you had this debt, but if you pay me, I'm going to remove it, mm -hmm. I don't even consult with anybody, I just pay. Because, yeah, because if they report, they have to report accurately, but they're not, legally obliged to report. They don't have to report. It costs them money to report, okay. to continue to report, right? And so these are things that I'm very passionate about because I'll give you an example. Something very recent that re-inspired me to, with ideas, with videos, and it's my personal situation that I, end up, I ended up resolving where I went to the University of Miami and um, I took out of what's called the Perkins Perkins loan specifically. The Perkins loan was for an amount of just 2,500 bucks. However, when I was, University of Miami all of a sudden appeared on my credit report with 15 late payments, right? Obviously that significantly dropped yeah. my score. So I wanted to look into this. Maybe I missed something or whatever. I just been very busy and I was like, man, I, I, I just messed up here. When I called the University of Miami, they told me that I had to speak to this other agency that I guess collects payment from there. Um, and I wanted to get information. Then I found out that Perkins loans, um, you can get them 100% uh, forgiven, contingent that you meet certain uh, criteria. criteria. One of them is military service members uh, serving in an imminent danger area. If I ever got danger pay, which I did since I went to Iraq and Afghanistan, all I have to prove within a certain date, which I forgot, I think it was August 14th, 2018 and beyond, right? So I found this on the student8.gov website, on the government website, and I called this, this company and I said, hey, I found this. He's like, no, it's not, that's not right. Like, yeah, look it up, look it up with me. No, so I called again and I got somebody else. This person found it, goes, yeah, but you would, you would have to be active duty at that time. And I'm like, ma'am, we wouldn't be having this conversation if we were in active duty because when you're in active duty, you have 100% tuition, right? That pays your school completely. We wouldn't, have, we wouldn't be having this issue. And yeah, that was a big, huge back and forth. Like I had to literally print out papers and like literally show them. And on top of that, they wanted me to jump through these hurdles as far as proving my military service, which what's called a DD-214 should be enough. 
But then they wanted me to get this form and get a stamp and signature from my command. First off, if I go back to my command now in North Carolina, I'm not going to recognize anybody there, right? And so they're going to look, and the commanding officer, which is like a CEO, is not going to make time to stamp yeah, to and seal stamp, this. Yeah, exactly. So it looks like the form that they had me try to fill out so you get wasn't done by yeah, a veteran. Yeah. That was one. And then two, I had to show this to the person at the University of Miami, which... Vanessa was fantastic because she actually looked into this for me. She didn't even know. And she even went back to this other company and mentioned that. And they were still saying no. Yeah. So I got an email back from her and said, hey, look, you know, just because the situation happened, we're completely dissolving you from this and all late payments will be removed and all those other stuff. And that was fantastic. Wow. But for me to fight for that, how many other veterans have been going through that? How many other people have been going to that? And it's, and it's very frustrating that sometimes the very people working at these places are not trained or are not familiar with these situations. And they just assume that you're just trying to, uh, you know, get out of something when you're, when you're not. How long did you serve in the military, bro? From what year to what year? From 2007 to 2013. Why did you enlist in the military? Oh, I, since I was five years old, I always wanted to do. Two of my other brothers were in the Marine Corps. Um, and, and with me... It was just something that I had set to do. As a matter of fact, I was going to uh, Bowman and I graduated in 2007 and I, had a, I was running track at the time and one of the coach was taking me to Bethune-Cookman, um, you know, just to see if I could go run for them. And I guess I became pretty good, but since I always had the idea of being a Marine in my head, you know, this other stuff kind of- You wanted to be a Marine. Yeah, yeah. And you, you said your older brother served in the, in the yeah, Marine Corps in, too? Yeah, I have an older brother. So, you know, back in the, in the 80s, 88 oh, or wow. something like that. Yeah, so- So, okay. so they are veterans? Yeah, they're yeah, veterans as well. Like, and how did the military shape you? Oh, it, in every single way. Um, wow. Because I, I, I recently met a couple of veterans too and I heard, you know, Every, every, every institution or every path in our lives have good and bad, you know? Some people may say that being a business owner is the worst mistake of their life. Some others like me or you will say that being a business owner is the best thing that they ever did in their life. The same happens with the Marine Corps, the, with the military, mm -hmm. the same happens with everything that we go in life. That's why I think that when I talk to these people, I'm like, Don't, don't put things in a box, you know? Like, just be open and understand that maybe somebody else had a different experience than you, and that's okay. Uh, but in your particular case, what, uh, how did it shape you? Like, what, what did you feel that if it wasn't for your military experience, you wouldn't be where you're at today? Yeah, it, it opened, uh, it, going to Iraq and Afghanistan and what I got to see and feel over there versus what you see on the news and everything else completely changed my mind and humbled me. Is there bad times in the military? Absolutely, just like anything else. You may have a bad boss one day that you don't like, but you, you know, you obviously you have to listen to him or whatnot. You may have um, bad situations, but when you become a Marine after boot camp, it's just something ingrained in you. It just changes you in the sense of like looking at life differently and just going after it like a savage, you know, beast, you know, and anything that you do, no matter how little or insignificant or, or how big it is. Um, but yeah, it, it really, it really trained, changed me to the point where, you know, you, you, I started thinking structurally, you know, I started thinking about, you know, getting the job done. 
um, correctly. Um, wow, it's just it's is and so 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 many different ways. One of the one of the biggest takeaways I'll take from from Afghanistan is um, I did detainment operations over there, and me and my team um, would go do snatching grabs of anybody in the area that was a high threat, high level Taliban leader or whatever the case may be. Um, and then me and my team would do the, the, the tactical questioning because you can't call it interrogation um, and so on and so forth. And then we, we process the evidence and obviously send it over. And so my biggest takeaway was when we went to go visit a, a village elder, every military member has like a little pocket Bible. It's like a little Bible that you, you know, put on your, you wear, you, wear, you put on you and I'm not very religious, if you will, but it's nice to have that on there, right? You, you, you want to use- you, It gives you that good feeling. Yeah, exactly. Good vibes, good yeah. vibes. <laughs> but, uh, and he wanted to see the Bible and I just took it out and gave it to him and he didn't even receive it that way. He was like, hold on. He went, he rolled up his sleeves, he washed his hands as they do before prayer. And then he gave it. Even this Bible is dirty, it's been through a bunch of stuff, sweaty. Sometimes I'll take it out, sometimes I don't. And then he received it and opened it up. When I saw that, that completely changed my mind. True Muslim people over there have the kindest hearts anywhere. I know that, I know that. That's why, that's the next question that I was going to ask you is like, how did your mindset change about the whole because you said it you said it at the beginning you said like when you finish boot camp and you become a marine that shit is imprinted in you um and then you went to afghanistan and then you went to iraq or uh, uh, iraq first so yeah iraq after first and after then afghanistan boot, yep and you are sharing these now and then you came back and that what you just said is like muslim people are the kindest people you yeah. know but what people hear, consume, and that has a lot of to do, you know, there's, I don't want to dive into this yeah, because it's a very, it's a very yeah. dangerous topic, you know, like that's why I'm very, very cautious of how I say it. But I guess what I'm trying to ask is, how did your mind change after you came from there and you had to reinstate yourself in society and you go through things that a lot of veterans go through, you know, that this even example that you were just sharing before about the debt collection, you know, mm -hmm. like, dude, I, I grew up in Argentina. I always uh, look up to the military in the US because again, the way it's seen in the world, it's like these people are elite people, you know, the movies they make. Uh, and I always, when I came to this country from a young age, I always look at like the military, like people that people should, I don't say bow to, to them because there's nobody better than others, but they should be very respectful. You know, I would have assumed that now, not, not before, like not nowadays, but back in the day, if you would have told me your story about what happened to you in the University of Miami and all these things, I would be like, why the fuck are they, he's a better and they should just wave that shit. Yes. Like he, 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 he gave a lot more than, there's no money for what better, for what military personnel yeah, gives away when they enjoy, like enjoy, when they enlist in the military. So how did your mind change? Like when you came back, what was different for you? Uh, 
there wasn't too many obstacles, but I, hopefully I can answer it this way. I think one of the things, everything, at least in the Marine Corps, is, is earned. Even in boot camp, your uniform doesn't have anything that says U.S. Marines on it. You haven't earned that yet, right? Um, but because of that, boot camp sucks for somebody that's never been there. Um, now I'll probably be able to go through it all day, but it, for somebody that's never been it's there, it's, it, it's bad and it really breaks you down. But at the end of the day, you earn that title. When, when, when you go through the crucible and you haven't eaten at the end of the last 72 hours of, your, of, of boot camp after three months and you go through the crucible and you go through, through the muck and you, go, you haven't eaten, you haven't slept in three days and so on and so forth and you do a, a walk and your, your feet are bleeding, you're, you're, you just want to... You just want to be done, and they give you the EGA, the Eagle Globe and Anchor, and they congratulate you. And for the first time, they tell you, you know, congratulations, Marine. That's, that's. I cried. I'm not gonna lie. I cried. But what that taught me is, is that I'm, I'm willing to suffer, right? I'm willing to go through the suck. I'm willing to suffer in silence. I'm willing, and and I think, I think that's translated. And what I'm, what I'm doing, what I'm doing today is. I'm willing to suffer more than most people, and I'm comfortable with the uncomfortable in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that's helped me survive through my military career, is being comfortable with the uncomfortable. And that, and that goes around with situations of people that you may not like, of situations you may not like, of whatever the case may be, is just being comfortable with the uncomfortable and knowing that once you go through it, it's done. And that changed you when you when when you realize that. I think it's a um, it's a it's it's a it's a big thing. And then obviously you know meeting traveling so much and 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 meeting some of the some of the best people over there. Like I got to clear houses with some some people over there, some Afghan people over there that they were they were just um, amazing. Like they they hold a, a they hold something you know true true in my heart. Um, like those true patriotic Afghan yeah. guys over there that that really love their country and, and don't like the Taliban. But yeah, I'm willing I'm willing to suffer more than most, I think. But then society wise, like were you affected by being neglected when you came back? Did you feel neglected when you came back? Yeah, yes. Uh yeah, ab absolutely. When when I was trying to find a job, it took me fifteen months. Um, to find something. I would, what, what would people tell you? Like, oh, no, you can't work here because yeah, what? Yeah, I remember one, one time I went to Jiffy Loop just only because Jiffy Loop was a job that I had back in high school, right? Um, but this time around, I got an interview for a management position. And, you know, and at the end, he told me, uh, yeah, I, I, we, can't, we can't hire you because there's, you don't have any management experience. And I was like... What? <laughs> I was a sergeant in the Marine Corps, and I oversaw, like... 40 to 50 to 100 people sometimes at once like that I was in charge of and I'm talking about I was 20 21 23 years old right to be able to take on that responsibility what do you mean and I don't have management and in that stage too because yeah. life it's life or death so yeah. it's like what are you talking about yeah sometimes everybody so loves the military businesses don't see the military experience as experience no and a lot of veterans go through that because when you get out the military it's hard to translate whatever your job is unless it's infantry or something like that anything else it's hard to translate that on your resume right where somebody that's never been in the military like a company to be able to translate that 
right? That's one of the biggest things veterans uh, go through go through when they transition out. It's one of the biggest risks. Benefits wise, do do, do veterans? I know they have mm -hmm. free education. Well, it's not free. They give yeah. you a budget. It's not. It's not that you can go to any university that you want and yeah. they will pay it. Yeah, they they would. Yeah, but it has to be like you have to be it there has full to be time. Like, it, but it has to be under a, like the university has to be under a certain criteria. No, no, it's the Montgomery. So you can go to you can go to Harvard if you want it. Yep, okay. the Montgomery GI Bill. That's what, I used to think like that until I applied to the University of Miami. I'm I'm here born and raised in Miami. I was I was born in Hialeah. Typically, at least most of the people that I remember just goes to Miami Dade then FIU and transfers out because everything else is too expensive. But one of my friends say, hey, you know, you never know. And I applied to the University of Miami. Mm -hmm. I got accepted and the VA paid it. And it's oh, 25,000 wow. a semester. Wow. I wasn't, I, I didn't pay none of that. Wow. Um, so they do pay it. And it's what I tell veterans. Like literally you have a, you li literally have a blank check to go to any school that you want. So why, why, why do veterans don't take advantage of that? Do you think that it's not, again, going back to the beginning of the episode where we were talking about all these things that the fine print yeah. is not told to veterans? When, it's not told. Because it's, they don't want to pay, pretty or, much. Or like, for, just, them, for them, it's better like, okay, we have it. If they find out, we pay it. If they don't, then exactly. it's on their, on their Exactly, a lot, a lot of veterans are not taught, they're not educated, or maybe they're just fr frustrated with the VA system because it takes so long you know, for things to get processed or things to happen. Or a lot of these veterans come out really messed up and they need help with getting this paperwork straightened out because you know, some of them been The, been the messed up part comes from, come from seeing the things they see, right? Yeah. Not because of them not being able to adapt to, like not because of situations that you went through, like you couldn't find a job. Mm -hmm. Like the, what actually messed you up is the things that you go through yeah. as, as, as a military person. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, and depends, you know, not everybody, not everybody, yeah, not everybody sees everybody is, is, yeah, I yeah. know, I know. Or you may deploy, but you may be in an air station, and that's one of the safest places over there where you never hear see, or combat, see nothing. Yeah. You're in, you're in, you're in the sandbox, as we call it, but you're not there with, you know, with with the local. Yeah, you're not going to the, you're not going to the town to yeah. with your gun. Maybe something can happen. Exactly, and and you know, yeah, you you do carry that along with you, you know, because. It becomes, and eventually, and it's kind of messed up to say, but it kind of becomes normal to you while you're over there seeing and smelling these things. But when you come back, you're still, you're still kind of in a sense over there um, because your body has adapted to surviving in that environment. Uh, but when you come back and things are different and they're not popping off like they was, you know, yeah. in, in, in Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever you've been at, then, you know, it takes time to adapt. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of healing and lessons to go through that, through that darkness. Um, that, that, that you go through, you know, because sometimes, you know, like my, my grandfather used to say before, I'll just translate it in English is, you know, everything is old. It's just new to you. A hundred percent. You know, 100%. And, uh, and, and, you know, taking in, look, it happened, right? So now what? Either you're going to give up on that or you're actually going to push forward and at least in, in memory of your brothers and, uh, that, yeah. that passed away. Remember the good moments you had with them when they were alive and take from that whatever you feel is going to benefit you so that you can go ahead and they can live through you um, as you live your life. You know what I'm trying to say? And I know, you know, you know, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, I lost a lot it's, of, a yeah, lot of guys know, out there. I know, know, I know. You, you share with me a couple of <laughs> stories that I, I don't want to dive into, yeah. but yeah, like it's a very, definitely it's, it's not an experience for everybody. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the things that you were sharing, like I, Honestly, I don't know if I could have been in the military. I don't know. I 
would like to believe so that I do, that I would because the, of the fact that all these things that you were just sharing, like I acquired them through my uh, professional athlete career. Yeah. Uh, not in the sense that it's the same. I'm not comparing like going to war to being a professional athlete. But the camaraderie. But the camaraderie the and then the toughness, you know. Yeah. I think that uh, toughness is something that people underrate, you know. Uh, toughness is something that people want to put away, you know, especially the like this society that we're living now, uh, if you, like I have to, I don't do it anymore, but uh, at one point I was even worried to, I was thinking, how am I going to talk to my teams? Like in, in my company, you know, I was like, fuck, should I curse less? Should I say this, should I that, that? And then I realized like, look, the culture that I want to build is this one. And if they are up to the challenge and they want to, follow my like follow the company's path and they see the vision that we have they're going to take it you know even today i had to i don't know when this episode is going to release but even today memorial day is on monday and i was like the whole week thinking like fuck how the fuck am i going to tell these guys that memorial day were working yeah because i don't believe in any of that shit yeah i know what memorial day represents <clears throat> and i and i'm respectful of that and i and i uh, and i think that i'm honoring that working yeah. compared to what society believes that oh Memorial Day is to fucking lay down and do nothing. Like I do believe in all the same things that you learn through the service. Again, I'm not saying that mm -hmm. I would have made it. I don't know, but I still, I do believe that in the athlete life, in the toughness part, especially the sport that I play, which was a physical sport, gave me a lot of those things that you just share, you know? And I think that the, it's key for the society in general, men, women, children, to learn what toughness is. But not, not to learn it like, oh, all it is is toughness. No, mm -hmm. learn what love is too, but learn that there's both and learn that you can't have one without the other. They both come together and you need to learn how to deal with them both. Yeah. And usually toughness is the thing that brings what we love on the other side 10 times better yeah. than if we just get the love, yep. you know? So I, I, I love what you said, bro. I really, I, I told you this a million times and you and I talk a lot too. Um, bro, like when, when we, we used to go through our ups and downs, you know, and you would have your moments, I would tell you like, bro, you're a fucking Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. Like the same thing that I tell myself when I'm going through my down moments, like I look myself in the mirror and I'm like, dude, I achieve things and I've done things that people in my field, like when I was an athlete, people that want to be a professional athlete, they, it's a very small percentage of people that they do. I didn't made it to the highest, highest of the levels, Yeah. but where I got, not many people get there. And yeah. the same goes with you. Like you might not have been the fucking general of the US army, yeah. but you were one of, the very few that go to war, do their shit, come back and build their fucking life. That's one thing I can say. I, I got to do what I signed up for. I, I, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Um, and, and 
Listen, that life sucks. Being in an infantry unit or living that life sucks. It's not like you see on video games. It sucks. I don't. I don't see why anybody would do it. You have to be a special individual to go to would Afghanistan. Would you do it again? Would you do yeah, it again? Yeah, I would. And and going back to Afghanistan, like, listen, I didn't shower for five months, not because I didn't want to, but because there wasn't no showers. Right. See that part, I don't know if I would be so, able to. Do. <laughs> so <laughs> because even 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 as an athlete, I would shower like yeah. in the shittiest place yeah, but yeah. I would still need to shower so you know it's it's a lot of it's a it's but like you said it's perspective bro and and there's nothing wrong with even wanting to work on Memorial Day regardless what it, it means differently to different people but listen I went to Iraq and Afghanistan and while people were here on Christmas Thanksgiving that's all the these that's the part that for me makes the whole military argument from politics garbage mm -hmm. because I'm not saying that the cost of the service is wrong. I do believe in the cost of the service, and I do believe that the men and women that go to the military are serving for those reasons. I do believe that you went there with a purpose. What I don't believe, and that's the part that pisses me off now living in this country, is that we don't honor the veterans and the military the way they should be honored yeah. and uh, treated not because they are better. Again, it, not, it has nothing to do with somebody being better. It's just that if we build this organization that is going to stand for the freedom, for all these things that we say they stand, we can't honor them on just one fucking day. Yeah. We need to honor them every single day. We need to help them when they come back to reinstate. And actually, I was going to, uh, we're going to talk outside of the camera, bro, because... Uh, me and Vlad, we met somebody that is a veteran, and I think that there's a lot of things that we can do with veterans, and it would be pretty fucking cool, especially after I talked to this guy and, and he was sharing with me things that you share with me too, and it's just kind of sad, bro. Yeah. It's, it's sad that people that, again, they are giving their life for the freedom of the country, and then you have people that say like, well, it's not really freedom because they're going overseas to, to these mm -hmm. wars and this and that. Listen, if they were not, if the USA was not known for their military, was not known that they deploy their troops and they go to these places before even the war comes here, yeah, war would come here. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> that's it's, the part that people don't understand. And, and that's that's a good point you bring because everybody's been in the military swears an oath to the Constitution to protect it, you know, against enemies, foreign and domestic, right? And you know. The fact that you get to get up in this country and not have to worry about what you say, how you say it, uh, that you get to come to a job and you get to make as much money as you can as possible for whatever you want. Like that has a cost and the cost is like like right now, somebody's going through exactly, the suck right somebody's now. Somebody's going through that. So that we can like, do this right now. And and maybe the the problem with that is that it's so minimized. Yeah. You know, it's not shared so well. You know, it's polit it's how do you say the word? Uh It, it's made the, the the statement of communication to the society is being political. You know, it depends like if the Democrats are in power or they want to seek war because they're looking for this. If the Republicans, so there's always something yep. behind behind the news that it's being consumed by the regular population in the yep. country that it's not actually the message of what actually means for this. A military to be outside, you know, yep. so to be deployed. So yep. 
That's fucking insane. I know that we, we talk a lot about <laughs> your, your military path, bro, but going back a little bit and then we're going to get to the end. But before we get to the end, I want to ask you, what is it that, what, what are your next steps? Like, what are you, what, what do you see yourself like in the next five years? What are, what do you have planned to do? And uh, how are you planning on helping more and more people? Yeah, so uh, right now what I'm developing now is I'm, I'm, I'm meeting with more and more companies, other credit restoration companies where they outsource the work to us in the customer service. Um, and with, with the companies that we have on board, um, I'm, I'm meeting with them, you know, sometimes on a daily basis, um, sometimes on a month-to-month -month basis, because I'm giving a lot of other business owners advice on, you know, how to run their credit restoration company to minimize, you know, anything that, any issues that they may be going through. Um, but the key here is, is to develop, you know, an education, um, a, a system, a way where consumers can fight back and get their rights back. Um, and understand the credit a little bit better and notice the fine print and not having to choose between um, groceries or, or collections. However, on a bigger scope, um, I've been doing a lot of soul searching and uh, I believe that I, I have been helping a lot of people and it's not about the money for me and it's not about, uh, it's all about helping people. And however, the money that I obtain from clients for doing a service with them um, is going to allow me to not only grow the business, but open up myself. Uh, I truly feel that credit in some way, weird way is my purpose, um, that I'm going to be able to influence more people. I'm going to be around the world or, or in the U.S. through the money that I obtain through this. So it's like good vibes yes, all, I got all, you. all the way around. You how, know? how can credit, for the people listening, how can credit help you open up your own business or not even that? not even to the extent of a business, but how can credit help you start your, your side hustle? Absolutely. You know? Like how, how, can, how can people learn how to do that? Credit is, a, credit is a tool that you should leverage, right? And if you want to open up your own business or you want to make more money, I'm still a true believer that you can, you can obtain $50,000 in credit quicker than you can save $50,000. 100%. Assuming that, let's say you work at a minimum wage job, maybe you work at Starbucks or whatever the case may be, if you understand credit, you can get there a lot quicker than just saving money over time and then having to pay these taxes. So understanding credit, taking the first steps to develop your credit score and put your credit report in a position that when a bank looks at it, they'll have no problem lending you $5,000, $10,000. One thing that I would add to that is learning how to manage the money that you're getting. Yes, because that that's crucial in in that game because you can get the fifty thousand and you can say okay I'm going to start my business, but if you don't know how to manage that, it's going to last very little, and yep. then you're going to have the other problem, which is now you have to pay it back. So <laughs> yeah, so obviously doing your due diligence and research, but raising as much money as you can in in credit, right? And then looking at this amount that you have and literally researching. What, are the, what can I do with this amount of money? Maybe getting an Amazon store, maybe opening up an ice cream food truck, I don't know, whatever the case may yeah. be. Yeah, one thing, one thing that I would say is like, if you're getting a credit to start your business, uh, if you are getting less than 100 grand, you need to look for solutions where it's either a side hustle or if it's an investment opportunity to find 
again, I, I hate saying this because I sound salesy, but I'm not, I'm, I'm just referencing this mm-hmm. because this is what we do or find a company like mine where we literally have your best interest. We have more to lose than you and we are going to go to war every day for yep. you, you know, and, and that way, you know, that your money at least is in the hands of somebody that is caring about it. And it's not just on the hands of somebody that it's selling you a dream right. and they are not doing shit, you yep. know, because I think that anything below a hundred grand for you to start your own business. Well, maybe for me, because I have this mind of business that everything has to be structured right. and put in place. Maybe if you are not so crazy as I am and you can think about something on the lower end, maybe 50 grand is enough, but yeah, that's my yeah. opinion at least. I don't yeah, know. yeah, no, it's, it's, it's whatever you got, whatever you got to do. And if your credit is bad, well, you know, obviously you're working at a job and your, your job is your credit in the sense of like, whatever you make a month. Which is what happens to a lot of people yep. that they live paycheck to paycheck. Whatever you make a month. You, you pay it back to the car. <laughs> yeah. But in this case, if you don't have any debts like that, whatever you make a month, apply it to the business. Can I run a business at, on, uh, you know, at 3,000, 5,000 a month, you know? Yep. What do I need here and there? Continue to work that job until you're able to replace your, your salary. A hundred percent. And then going from there, like, I know, I know you're always like, you know, yeah, you I'm need, very detailed. You need a, I'm very detailed. I need, I need, but it, with me, it, but, it, yeah, it might be a bad thing because I mean, I can do it now and I can say yeah. this now because I'm in this position, but maybe if, if I would start all over again with this mindset, it would be tough. Yeah. That's the truth. But, but, but with me, I'm, I'm a believer and I know we, we've always had like a, a debates and disagreement with this, but I don't feel that you need 20, 50, $10,000 to start a business. I think you can go way lower than that. But, yeah. but again, you have to be willing to, to do, well, but eat it, shit. That's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, said that, I said that. Like, it, it's true what you said. Like, you can replace the money factor with the work. Yeah. But again, you need to be able to live that life too. Because going back to what I was saying like a couple minutes ago about the tough, you know, and, and I'm learning how to move a, 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 through the mud. Mm-hmm. If you are not geared that way, bro, people quit. Like people quit. Like if, if, if you tell somebody today that they can start a business with two grand, but in exchange, they will have to work 80 hours a week, they will tell you no. Without knowing that yeah. maybe in two years, they are making more money than they ever imagined. That's true. What you said is true, but unfortunately, most people are not like that. Maybe fortunately for us, yeah. because the less they are like that, the better yeah. for us. But people are not wired like that. Think bro. about it, bro. Even, even till this day, I make way more money than two grand, and I work eighty hours a day. And today, I was having a conversation with my financial advisor, and I was going through an evaluation that they are doing for my for a personal matter. And they asked me, how many hours a week do you work? And I said to her like 24 seven, I don't know, like put 80 hours. And she goes like, no, no, we're going to put 40 because the more you put, they, they related to stress. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I'm stressed if I'm not working. Yeah. So put more because that's going to mean that I'm healthier if I'm doing what I love to do. Stress keeps you and on that's, your toes. And that's the thing, bro. I'm not stressed when I work. This shit doesn't stress me. For me, it's fun, you know? And that's the difference. The biggest difference from me and other people is like, dude, I have fun doing what I do. Like, if I have to work from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m., I'm happy yeah. doing it. 
I'm happy doing it. Don't get me wrong, there's days that I'm tired too, that I want to sleep, that I don't want to do anything, but the more I have to do, the more happy I am. So and here's I, another I, would, I would be able to do it with $2,000. Yeah, <laughs> and, and here's another thing, doing what other people are not willing to do. And so when you choose to go to work as opposed to a boat or whatever on Memorial Day, which is pretty common here in Miami, or when you choose to wake up earlier than everybody else, right? As tired and as shitty yeah, as that may you, feel. You're sure, you're, you're, it's a mental fight, bro. Knowing, it's a mental knowing fight. that when you tell, when I, when I tell people the time I wake up, when I tell people how many hours I, I work, when I tell people this and they give me a weird reaction, that's how bro, I know I'm doing we were, it right. We had, a dinner, <laughs> we had a dinner on Monday. We went to bed. Like I got home like at 11 p.m. Uh, I went to bed at 12. I woke up at four in the morning. I was tired as shit, but I could wake up later. I'm the boss. I can I can wake up later. I can tell. I can call in and say, hey, I'm getting to the office at 10. But no, bro, I'm going to still do the same thing no matter how tired I am. And then I'm going to rest on my rest day, yep. which is usually Sunday. I sleep more and whatever. But I, I feel you 100%, bro. I was actually going to say this quote that I wrote today. I'm going to read it because it's a really good quote. And I don't know if you saw it on my, on my post, but it's a really fucking good quote that says, if you are willing to do only what's easy, life will be hard. But if you are willing to do what's hard, life will be easy. Dope. That's literally the, the, the whole message of of today, I guess. Yeah. But before we go, bro, before we go, because honestly, with this guy, I can talk like fucking, <laughs> I don't know, how, how long are we going recording so far? <laughs> One, yeah, I can talk all day with you, bro. Like, uh, more, more than money segment. We do this pretty much with every guest. So, uh, you said it already, but I'm going to ask you again just yeah. for the segment. What's the purpose of starting a business for you? Freedom. Okay. Which people influence you or motivate you to start your business? Uh, I think I want to say Gary V, Casey Neistat, and you've taught Casey. me a lot. Thank you, bro. Yeah, man. I appreciate that. One of the things that I want to say, not to give me arms on the <laughs> back, but this is true. I'm super fucking happy that you decided to start your own shit. Thank I'm you, very happy for you, bro. I'm, I always tell Vlad, because even though you and I might not talk like on a weekly basis, I always, once once every two weeks or maybe once a week you come up, but I always tell that like, dude, I'm so happy for Ray that he started his own shit because you deserve it, bro. That's the truth. Thank like, you, uh, I know that when we were partners for a short period of time, I gave you a lot of shit, but then I grew and I reflect back and I, bro, like, honestly, like, you you deserve to have your own business like since a very long fucking time. Thank you, man. And then, what's something that money cannot buy for you? Drive. Nice, nice. And the last thing, bro, and then we can call it a day. Uh, any books or podcasts that you are listening or yeah. or reading that you would like to recommend? Greatest Salesman in the World by Augmandino. You are reading that or listening to it? I read it all the time. Oh, it's nice. that little book. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, I remember, yeah. I remember. And uh, the next one is, um, uh, man, what was it? Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Oh, wow. I need yeah. to read that one. I need to yeah, read that yeah. one. I don't I'm reading right now the one that you gifted me called yeah. Extreme Ownership. Great book, great book. 
Uh, and then the other one that I read recently is called, which I recommend to you. I don't know if I did or not, but I recommend to you. It's called The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Nice. All right. I'll check it, it out. It changed my fucking life. Um, what doesn't the credit bureaus want you to know? You, we touch based on that. But, <laughs> what they don't want you to but know. But something that you are like, oh, this is the thing. But actually, is the credit bureaus the ones that don't want you to know? Or is... Because I think that the credit bureaus are just regulating. Yeah, so I think I think one thing is credit bureaus, uh, credit bureaus, and the FTC and even the government advise you not to work with credit repair agencies. Okay. Um, and and I think it's because you know like they they're they're more um, they they feel that they have the leverage when they're dealing with a direct of consumer. Of course, because they don't know their shit. Then somebody that does this professionally. <laughs> it's you like know? somebody uh, telling you, oh, you're, if you get uh, on a lawsuit, don't, don't use don't a lawyer. Don't get an attorney. Yeah, yeah. Don't, exactly. Don't attorney. Represent well, yourself. Actually, I, maybe I agree with that one. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then the last one, bro. What is the first step for someone that is listening Uh, of course, the first step, I would say, contact you. Now you're going mm -hmm. to share your information. But aside from that, what is the first step that somebody has to do to improve their credit? First thing you got to do to improve your credit. By the is, way, yeah. which adds to this question, all this shit that experience sells about a boost your uh -huh. credit and all that is fake then. No, no. Yeah, it, it boosts it, but under a certain score. Yeah, exactly. Model. That's what I'm saying. It boosts the one that they show you, the FICO 8. But everything else is like you're just adding shit there that yep. it might hurt you. Exactly. Okay, so now what's the first step to improve your credit? First step to improve your credit is um, if you're young, maybe under 18 or maybe starting off, um, ask friends or family members to add you as an authorized user. Which, by the way, my parents did to me. And I have one credit card, no, two, still to this day, that is 27 years old. Look at that. That's amazing. And and I don't know how they did that because I'm 30. So I, I don't ask me how. No. I think that, I don't know, maybe it's because when they, it, it doesn't count when they added me, it counts the age of the credit. The age is what counts the most. Yes. However, even if you're, if, if you're the age that you are, lenders and underwriters are not going to look at, oh, but he's this age and that's that age. No, it's okay. just, you know, it's, it's uh, add yourself as an authorized user. That's going to usually give you the best boost and a, a, a credit history for a bank to lend you so money. So that's the best gift that you can do to your kid. Absolutely. Yeah. That's as soon as, as soon as you can um, do it. I think American Express is at 16, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then the rest one is like 18 or, yep. or 21. But bro, listen, I appreciate you very much coming. Hope you had fun. Where can people find you uh, if they want to ask questions about credit, yeah. if they want to search you personally, you can. Yeah, so uh, you can reach us at disputenation.com um, or you can visit my YouTube channel, Keeping It Real With Credit, um, or give us a call, 1-800-450-6908. Um, and uh, I'll be answering my phone or when one of my staff members will. But other than that, we're happy to help you guys. And then your personal Instagram? Um, sacred Ray underscore two underscores Sacred Ray there you go <laughs> so if you guys enjoy the episode make sure you subscribe like and click on the bell and till the next time peace